Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mga bobol! Andito ko sa exactly the same spot kung saan ko sinigawa ng mga bobo yung mga komunista na mga nagrarally na mga kunwari ay nagsusuporta kay Atty. Sireno. Mayen, dati naalala ko, meron akong basher sa social media. Tapos, meron pala siyang isinulat dati, asking kung bobo ba yung mga Pilipino. Marami rin ako nakikitang ganyan sa social media and news about politicians calling other people bobo. Parang uso siya na gawing insult. Nung nakaraang eleksyon eh, nagkaroon tayo ng anti-bobo crusader <laughs> sa tao ni Larry Gadon, kung naalala mo. <laughs> Oo, daming news about it eh. Pero saan ba nanggagaling mayan itong diskurso tungkol sa intelligence sa ating lipunan? Simptom ba ito ng mas malaking problema sa ating education sector? Tama ka dyan, JC. And to a certain extent, it may also have an impact on the economy. Kaya naman sa episode na ito ng Usapang Econ Podcast, maglalaan tayo ng oras para pag-usapan ng economics ng edukasyon. Ako si Mayan Vital. At ako si JC Punong Bayan. And welcome sa Usapang, Usapang Econ Podcast. Ang Usapang Econ Podcast ay proyekto ng mga batang ekonomista na naglalayong gawing mas fun, relatable, at understandable ang economics. Mayen, parehas tayong gumagawa ng research pagdating sa economics of education. Pero actually, mas babad ka dito, Mayen, kasi naging part ka nung transition program nung K-12 ng Commission on Higher Education, di ba? How bad are things actually? First of all, maganda sigurong banggitin natin na marami namang improvements sa education sector. Yung net enrollment rate in primary education ay nag-improve na from 87% ng 2006 to 95% in 2015. Tapos naman sa secondary education, nag-increase na from 51% ng mga around 2001 to 65% na as of latest data as well. Kung ang net enrollment rate ay 95%, sa isandaang bata na dapat nag-aaral sa primary education, 95 doon ay enrolled. Mm, I see. Pero di ba sinasabi rin nila na the devil is in the details? Kasi halimbawa, yung tinatawag na survival rate, kung meron kang 100 na grade 1 students, parang 87 lang yata yung natatapos sa primary education, tapos 74 yung natatapos sa secondary education. In other words, marami pa rin mga bata yung nag-aaral sa simula pero hindi nila natatapos yung kanilang pag-aaral, even at the basic education level. Tama ba yun? That's true, but meron na rin improvement from before. So, mas marami na ngayon ang nakaka-survive kumpara, let's say, ng mga early 2000s. But there's still more than the access problem na kinakaharap ng government ngayon. May mga deeper issues tulad ng quality of education. Like, are we equipping our students the right skills? Sabi nga nila, mataas na ang participation at mataas na rin ngayon ang average years of schooling, lalo na dun sa pag-adopt natin ng K-12 reform. Around 13 years na yung sinasabing average years of schooling ng Pilipinas. But based on a World Bank study, 
the level of learning ng average Filipino student ay 8 years lang. So in other words, hindi porke nasa school ka ay natututo ka kung 12 years or 13 years kang nasa school, pero yung katumbas lang nun pala ng natutunan mo ay 8 years lang. Tama ba? Tama ka, JC. So even if we spend a lot on education, in fact, the sector takes the lion's share of the national budget every year, it doesn't translate into desirable outcomes. By outcomes, ibig kong sabihin doon ay right skills and competencies useful for work and knowledge generation. Kaya hindi naman kagulat-gulat mayan na may mga nakita tayong major education reforms in the past few years. Ito yung K-12 education reform which was meant not just to increase the number of years in school but also to modernize our education curriculum. And then we also have the free tuition law which makes education free in all state universities and colleges, local universities and colleges, and tech-boc institutions. We'll talk about these and more but first, let's have a quick break. Starting 2017, tuition will be free in all state colleges and universities across the country as the government has allocated an additional 8 billion peso fund for the Commission on Higher Education under the 3.35 trillion 2017 national budget. The appropriation will cover the tuition of over 1.4 million students of 114 SUCs in the country and students will however still have to pay miscellaneous and other fees. Narinig natin si dating Malacanang spokesman, Ernesto Abella, speaking in 2016 about free tuition for the next year. So Mayen, simulan natin dun sa free tuition law. Ano ba yung rationale nito to begin with? The intent of the free tuition law ay mabigyan yung mga underprivileged Filipino students a chance to get a college degree. Looking at how the labor market works in the Philippines, mataas talaga ang premium sa mga may college degree or college diploma. At marami din yung nagsasabi, di ba Mayan, na ang primary hindrance, kaya hindi nag-enroll sa college ang mga maraming mga bata, ay dahil mahal nga yun. And the idea is, if you free up tuition fees... That could lift the burden on so many families. But that assumes that the only major cost of going to college would be the tuition fees. For example, yung kanilang transport costs, yung mga projects and supplies. And on top of that, there's opportunity cost din. Oh, tama ka, Mayan. Ano ba yung income na pinoforgo mo? Imbis na nagtatrabaho ka na sana, ay you spend four years of your life in classrooms. Yun nga lang dahil nga ganito yung labor market natin. It's kind of hard then for people who don't have that college diploma to enter into the workforce and get a decent job to begin with. Balik tayo mind sa free tuition law. Sinabi mo na ang objective nito ay gawing mas equitable yung pag-aaral ng mga bata sa public tertiary institutions. Pero na-achieve ba nung batas na ito yung intended goal na yun? We have to first look at the demographic profile of the students that go into college. Richer students are likelier to graduate from high school. Meron na agad na disadvantage yung mga people or students coming from the lower income classes. And then second, if the state universities and state colleges as well as yung mga local universities and local colleges, their tuition fees are free, then that means that they are basically incentivizing a lot of these graduates to go to these schools Di ba marami nga yung mga estudyante sa private schools na naglipat sa mga public schools dahil do sa free tuition law? I mean, libre na nga yung tuition fee. Bakit mo papipiliin yung mas mahal? And it's also worth to note that 
there are a lot of state universities and colleges that are faring well in the ranking of universities and colleges in the Philippines. So hindi ba ang magiging effect nun ay parang inilibre mo yung mga mayaman na students ng kanilang tuition samantalang kaya naman nilang magbayad? What's funny is that may mga provisions dun sa law saying na these rich students can actually waive their free tuition privilege but would you really want to? Diba? Libre na nga. So parang kang regressive. You're favoring the rich who have the advantage in the first place to go to college and then you're giving them more benefits or giving them more assistance so hindi mo na level ang playing field Some people might say that bakit hindi na lang natin i-focus yung resources dun sa mga mahihirap na students? Bakit kailangan lahat bigyan, including the rich? Yun nga yung intent sana nung pag-establish nung UNIFAST or yung Unified Financial Assistance System for Tertiary Education Act. So even before the free tuition, na-envision na ng government na i-consolidate ang lahat ng efforts nito in terms of providing scholarship, financial assistance. Kasi different agencies used to give out these financial assistance programs. So itong UNIFAST ay magiging coordinating body and it would take stock of mga beneficiaries to ensure that one, properly targeted ang mga ito and equitable yung pag-provide ng scholarships. And third, para mabawasan yung redundancies at yung mga ghost scholars na karamihan ay nakikita lalo na sa mga local governments. Hindi lang nabigyan ng chance tong UNIFAST to do its mandate. After signing it into law, suddenly nagkaroon na ng discussion about free tuition. We didn't get to see how effective this scheme would have been do you think UNIFAST would have been a better alternative or solution to the equity problem? Theoretically, that could have been the better system kasi what it does is to target kung sino yung nararapat. And then what it also reduces ay yung inefficiencies. So the funds that we're putting in for these scholarship programs would be better allocated and efficiently administered. As opposed to, let's say, the current free tuition program na kung saan blanket siya for everybody who goes into college regardless of income class. Saan kukunin yung pera para dito? It was estimated that every year, the free tuition program would entail 51 billion. So it's not just covering free tuition. Kasama na rin dapat dito yung mga subsidies for private higher education institutions or students going to private higher education institutions. So every year, ina-appropriate ito ng Kongreso. Nagiging contentious siya kasi, where do you get the 51 billion? You have to get it from all sorts of projects or from different agencies kasi... Ang laki ng 51 billion pesos. So, I can even remember in the news in the past na they took some of it, a portion of it from the Department of Education. Nakaka-alarm siya kasi you have a problem in basic education where a lot of students get dropped out from the system. Tapos cut off mo pa yung support sa kanila. So, from a policy perspective, it makes a lot more sense to focus resources on basic ed rather than tertiary ed. There doesn't have to be a trade-off, but we have to put the right investments in basic education. Nabanggit natin kanina na given the adjusted years of learning, we're apparently losing out and we have to really improve the quality of teaching in basic education. 
Ang Pangulo ng Republika ng Pilipinas, Benigno S. Aquino III. Ang panata ko po sa ating mga boss sa tuwidadaan, dapat walang may. Pero kapag natuto ka, sa iyo na yun, habang buhay. Hindi kailanman mawawala sa iyo ang mga pinag-aralan mo. Ito nga po ang batayang prinsipyo na itinaguyod nating Enhanced Basic Education Act of 2013 o mas kilala bilang K-12 Act. Sa sistemang pang-edukasyon nito, tinututukan natin ang pagsasaray ng kabataan para bigyan sila ng sapat na kakayahang sagarin ang bubukas sa pagkakataon sa bansa at makaambag sa paglago ng ating ekonomiya. So, punta naman tayo main dun sa K-12 program. Ito yung major education reform program ng previous administration when it comes to basic education. This law was signed in 2013 as a reform program adding two years of basic education through the senior high school, modernizing the basic education curriculum. So, what it intends to do is to decongest the curriculum to allow focus or mastery ng mga students so that they will be either one, ready for college, or two, be absorbed by the labor force. Pero maraming nagsasabi mayan na Parang hindi daw naging ready yung gobyerno natin sa pag-implement ng ganitong kalaking education reform program. 2013, ito signed into law and it was fully implemented in 2016. The government had three years to prepare for it. So we have many things going on. Like DepEd has to revise its curriculum and then you have those different strands, di ba? They really have to set different types of curriculum for all the different tracks. And then second, we need more teachers because medyo specialized ned. And then higher education also had to adjust kasi maraming mga subjects from higher education that were brought down to senior high school. And then in turn, higher education had to revise its curriculum as well. And hindi lang yon, Di ba may additional two years ang senior high school? Definitely may impact din siya sa mga higher education institutions because now they won't get additional students for two years. How is DepEd coping with that large resource constraint? Nag-coordinate naman ang DepEd at Commission on Higher Education to fill some of these gaps. Dahil sa shortages ng classrooms, ng teachers, nag-participate ang ilang mga state universities and colleges and they offered senior high school as well to address the supply issue of senior high school providers. Nagbigay din ng assistance ang CHED sa DepEd by developing teaching guides, creating this website. They conducted teacher training programs. Ito yung maganda eh. The DepEd has the advantage. They already know how to teach. They already know the methods. But it's really more the technical part na kailangan nilang matutunan. They just merged together. They co-developed these teaching guides so that you would combine both pedagogy and content together. Ikaw, coming from uh, CHED's uh, K-12 transition team, how would you assess it? Marami talagang naging constraints in terms of time. You know, just like in any program that's starting out, may mga birthing pangs talaga siya. There's also another side to it na hindi pa natin talaga fully naintindihan. Ang mga estudyante ba, are they really college ready as we envision them to be? Are they really employable after they graduated from senior high school? Remember, different tracks na yung mga students sa senior high school. But nothing prevents these students, let's say from uh, somebody who's from an ABM track, to go in a STEM-oriented program. 
except if the school doesn't want to admit the child. Na parang based on our assessment of your capabilities, kulang ka nito, ganyan. We still haven't fully developed an admission scheme that actually looks at the different competencies of the students based on their tracks. So, yun, there's still a lot of things to be done. Idagdag ko lang, Maya, na si Jobstreet.com, meron silang pa-survey sa mga establishments when it comes to the employability of senior high graduates. 35% sinabi na they are actually flatly unwilling to hire senior high graduates, while 41% are unsure of it. So, meron pa talagang gap when it comes to ensuring that senior high graduates are actually employable, which is one of the original intentions of the law to mm-hmm. begin with. These are one of the indicators that we have to continuously look into and then DepEd needs to keep an eye on. We have to get the industry on board as well. We want to ask them, why are they unsure of the SHS graduates? Is it a matter of competence based on their assessment? Or talaga bang because they're not fully assured yet that these people have the right skills or andun pa rin sila sa dating mentality na kulang pa rin that people have to still study or go to college in order for them to be employable. So there should be that academe industry understanding about the employability of its graduates. So in conclusion, Mayen, and dami pa natin sadang pag-usapan when it comes to the education sector, you know. Pero we talk about the two major education reforms right now. That would be the free tuition law and the K-12 program. So mukha namang merong ginagawa yung gobyerno to address the biggest education problems currently facing the Philippines. Yeah, but because these are new and large programs, kailangan evidence-based pa rin palagi. We have to continuously monitor the results and then make changes as appropriate. So speaking of education, Mayen, I think you have an announcement to make for our listeners. <laughs> Yes, so actually, paalis ako ngayong linggo. I'll be going to the University of Cambridge <laughs> uh, for further graduate studies. And my focus is going to be on education and its linkages with the economy. So, mawawalan ako ng co-host, Mayen. Ah, hindi naman. Sabi ko nga, diba, kahit nandun ako, I will still participate. Maka-invest nga sa magandang mic at headset. Tumitingin ka na nga kanina eh. <laughs> Oo, no. In fairness, marami palang medyo reasonably priced na rin pala sa market. No? Yun ang una mong gagawin, bibili ka ng mic. Of course. Tapos gagawa ng makeshift studio. <laughs> <laughs> Pero yun, Mayan, in behalf of the Usapang Econ team and the Puma Podcast team, I, we're excited Mm-hmm. sa new adventures mo sa Cambridge. Oh, At um, kung excited ka, super excited din namin. Dahil alam ko na this will lead to so many more opportunities for you. Pero tuloy pa rin natin usapang Econ, na Of course. And <laughs> for whatever I learned there, I'll try to share it with you guys na din. Ako si JC Punungbayan. At ako pong mali si Mayan Vital. Ang podcast na ito ay isinulat namin ni Mayan na papunta ng Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> Tumulong sa pagbuo ng episode na ito ang producer ng Puma Podcast na si Carl Joe Javier at ang nag-edit naman ay si Nina Toralba. Sundan nyo kami sa aming blog, usapangecon.com. I-like at i-follow nyo rin kami sa Facebook at Usapang Econ Blog at sa Twitter at Usapang Econ. Thanks for listening and bon voyage, Mayan. Thanks, JC.